This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Usually every time he finished a song, he'd get on a payphone wherever he was in the country and call me and wake me up. And so, like, he'd lay the phone down and start playing his guitar, you know? And that's how I heard this song the first time. I always thought this was a real pretty one. It's called uh, My Old Man. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me for what is episode 100.5. We did a full episode number 100. It was a bit of a uh, preview for Wembley, but we only got it out on the day of the final. So I might stitch uh, the Scott Hogan touch count after the end credits here, just in case you haven't listened to that show, but you want to listen to the Scott Hogan uh, touch count. That will be uh, after the end credits, so uh, hang on for that if you want. But joining me on this episode, Mr. Chris Bird, welcome back. Hello. Hello. I saw you on the train on the way down to Wembley. You did. You were uh, you were lively that day after two hours so sleep. Ob- <laughs> <laughs> David so was dying some- for everyone, and we both looked very French, so he looked like a very angry, tired Frenchman that morning. I wasn't angry. You looked really happy to be there. <laughs> Just jaded. <laughs> No, I had a good day. It was just a bit muted. I've actually put it up on uh, Patreon Extra. Uh, I was invited to the Royal Box, not by the club. I mean, the club never give me anything. This is just by being uh, an outstanding member of the community at large. Stand-up fellow. Gentleman and Stand-up scholar. fellow. No, I was invited by uh, somebody at the Football Supporters Association who's actually on the FA board. And because uh, I'm on the National Council of the Football Sports Association, uh, he was very kind to uh, invite me. 
I mean, you know, this is something you could just give to a buddy or, uh, or you know, his missus or something. So uh, it shows you what the good guys, the uh, FSA are, that they know uh, who would appreciate it the most. I mean, I've, I've explained this in the, the Patreon Extra, just my uh, insights into my day, which uh, probably wasn't as exciting as most uh, fans' days because I, I, I slept after the game, woke up about 10, and then uh, places like Box Park wouldn't let me in because it was uh, closing but anyway, we're not going to do a, a reaction, and that, I mean, we, you know, these are the things you do straight after the uh, the game. We're just going to, I'm going to pose a question, and we're going to just going to take it from there. And the question is, uh, a lot of people, uh, Dean Smith said, if we play like this, as in the gallant loss against Manchester City in our remaining fixtures, we, we'll be all right and we'll stay up and we'll just judge Villa's chances of staying up based on what we saw against Manchester City and actually it was a, it was kind of a blueprint of what has happened at the rest of the season when we've played particularly the top 10 teams which obviously we have to play a bunch of and we've only beaten one and that was Burnley who I wouldn't really class as a top 10 team if you know what I mean we've, we've got a lot of games against the top six never mind the top 10. But I would disagree with this sentiment that, oh, if we play like that, you know, we'll be all right. I, I think that's, uh, A, you're assuming something and cutting out the, the need to work for it. And B, we've played like that so many times already this season and got beaten. And we have to focus on winning and getting three points. And that's the most important thing here, game by game. None of this 11 cup finals left bollocks. You just take it game by game and you got to win it by any, you know, it's similar to what we did last year when we went on the 10. Yeah. 10 game run we didn't really think about the stretch we just took it you know week by week yeah get a bit of momentum and then just keep it going and ride the crest of a wave if you can get on one because you know you look at the next five games and it's uh leicester chelsea wolves liverpool manchester united and most people if you're looking ahead and trying to plot how many points you're not going to get a big wheelbarrow full of points if you're doing the usual plotting ahead and trying to pick points. You can't pick points. You've just got to beat the next team that you play. And, you know, you'd be surprised that teams uh, in low positions traditionally have, because they desire it and they need it more, that desire is even more than a, you know, a top six team. And, you know, we saw it Watford beat Liverpool 3-0. We saw Norwich beat Leicester. And this is what, you know, what Villa need to start doing. It's not about... Uh, being gallant and uh, playing like we did against City. I mean, I know what people are saying. It's like, you know, if they put that effort in. But how we played against City there was similar to that game against Liverpool, similar to the first game in the season against Spurs, even against Arsenal, where we sh- we showed we can compete, but we were making stupid mistakes as we did against City. The marking was slack on those two goals. I mean, obviously, the second one was a dubious uh, decision anyway, but it still doesn't excuse how Villa set up. And, you know, that is a question. I'll, I'll you know, let's. Uh, address it now having Mings as the attacking zonal if you like defender which suddenly leaves you because we're a bit short actually I mean Target and uh, Gilbert aren't the tallest guys and then you look at the midfield you've got Nakamba you've got Louise you you are kind of lacking in height you haven't got that uh, I mean Samata's not your your big number six so your big number nine who is useful when defending corners so we are lacking in a bit of height actually yeah. when you think about it and jack's not exactly known for his aerial prowess so what do you think about it i mean we got caught out on it and that's not the first time we've been caught out by it but all you have to do is get the ball over mings and then 
you know, it's the Engels versus the whole team. So uh, do you think it's wiser to stick Mings on their main man? Or, you know, how do you think it should play out? It's a difficult one because I see the role that Mings can play. But of course, it was a good delivery. And when you've got quality yeah. players who can put a good ball in, it's all right if it's a floated delivery and Mings can react and go, right, sea ball, head ball, let's go. But when it's whipped in at pace, everyone has to track their man and... I think even if um, even if Schulbert tracks his man, I don't know if he wins that header anyway. To be no, honest with you, I, I don't think he would. I think it'd be more competitive. But I mean, it's, you know, the guy gets into a good position. It's a free header, but it's a great header when he when he, when he gets it ultimately. And, and you know, and to be fair, Gilbert was pretty much there. It's just that he knew he wasn't going to win that ball. Yeah, you know, he, he can't jump. He couldn't jump that high. I mean, all he can do is just hold the guy's shirt so he can't jump, and then he got a penalty. Yeah. So there's a bit of a conundrum. I mean, looking back, we predicted, or, or we uh, we hoped for the uh, Mings uh, angles. We we suggested that was the way to go, not only for the final but onwards, because it showed enough of the potential uh, at the start of the season that that was a that was a centre back pairing. You just really defensively needed to sort out your wider midfielders to see how they could defensively support the fullbacks. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought that actually, although it was a bit of a surprise inclusion, I thought putting Al Mohamedi in in front of um, Gilbert was was probably a wise decision. Although it probably yeah, didn't, I mean, it didn't, I think he's quite, done that before. Yeah, it, didn't, it, it didn't play out necessarily how he would have hoped. But I think against other teams, that could be a, a way to go just because I think Trezeguet and El Ghazi to play them both at the same time is very risky. And I think Al Mohamedi's actual consistency of delivery is as good as someone like Trezeguet and El Ghazi in terms of if you want to put the ball in the box for Samata, which is obviously, yeah. obviously where we got the joy on you know, at Wembley. He's not, he's not a bad option and it will make you more solid. But in terms of moving forward, you know, it's all very good and well setting up with a bank of 10 behind the ball to stifle teams. But to stay up, we are going to have to be proactive, open up a bit and go and win games, which, which I'm sure yeah. we'll come on to in a minute. We got a, a listener question in uh, Sebastian. It's from Instagram. So it doesn't, there was not enough characters left to actually see the surname, but it's Sebastian Back. Is that the Skid Row lead singer? I Ooh. think his, uh, was his name. Uh it says, have you ever seen El Ghazi and Trezeguet in the same room together? Solid point. It said, what are their differences? Aren't they literally the same player? Pretty much Pre- in terms of much. how they're utilised. Pretty much, yeah. I think they're both kind of tricky without being having that yard, extra yard of pace that they probably need. And they're not like super consistent, but they, they do pull out something once in a while. I mean, like Trezeguet get us in. They're similar to a lot of our players, aren't they? They're always good value for something, but they're just not an 8 out of 10 every week that you need. We don't have enough 8 out of 10. I mean, for example, uh, you could put a good YouTube compilation of them together, each of them probably, just from their time at Villa, but you'll be struggling, uh, you know, if you're a scout watching them all the time, you would think, yeah, they're not really consistent. Especially if you're watching them for 90 minutes when you, you you want the complete package. And that's where, you know... Seeing what they're doing in terms of tracking back, yeah, back and their defensive, yeah, their overall, uh, um, as Perslow put, you know, their their overall body of work is is very sort of yeah. up and down. Yeah. So uh, I mean, going back to the uh, the actual final in terms of uh, anything, any any rays of light that you actually saw as positives going forward. Put it this way: I think I felt better about Villa's plight after that game than I did it after Southampton. Yeah, I mean, they, they Southampton was one of those, you, you get them through a season, just one of those awful days where everything went wrong. But even though we didn't directly drop into the uh, bottom three, you knew we were because obviously we had, yeah, you know, was, other teams had fixtures. Knew. But, I mean, the good thing was even when we went 2-0 down, 
it wasn't like this is over. I mean, the body language was wasn't it wasn't over. The crowd didn't believe it was over just yet, and I thought the response was pretty good. And the goal, I mean, that's like a, that's like an Andy. I think I said on my solo podcast, it's like an Andy Gray uh, diving header. And diving headers is something from the eighties or it's you know, a great header before that. Because where, where where I was sat, I was right behind it. So as soon as it's left, he said, well, that's in. And it flew in. It was a brilliant. Yeah. And, and to be fair to El Garza, as much as he's, as, as we've said, you know, quite hit and miss, it was a, when he got into position after, you know, Stones' usual weekly donkey-esque error, El Garza's crossing, well, his first touch obviously heads it on, crosses it first time. It's a brilliant ball in. Maybe a little bit of hit yeah. and hope there if I'm being cynical, but... Well, no, it looks he great. I mean, puts it he, on the money, and it's uh, a, and, he, he, and you think, well, he can barely miss, and he doesn't. He buries it. Maybe being a little bit cynical there, because he can do great things. Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. he did great things absolutely. in the in the when last time we were at Wembley. But this is the thing: you feel like with Al Ghazi, you need you can carry him if you've got like another solid ten players, and he's like almost like a luxury. But you know, it doesn't matter if Al Ghazi plays a great game or not. You know, if, if he does, then you know, bonus. I think if you've got McGee, if you've got McGinn in the middle or or a Horahan or someone like that who's going to be a little bit tidier with possession, he, you can kind of just let him go. And then when he gets a bit of confidence, he looks great, doesn't he? When he knows he's got the beating of a fullback, then you can yeah. see his ears prick up and he's he's bang up for it. Then, like he was in the like he was in the play final. Because yeah, I was going to say the problem is we we need a bit more from him. We need a bit more of an all round game because of the deficiencies of the rest of the team, and yeah. we don't can't really rely on him for that. But I mean, I definitely uh, there's definitely a role for him, even in a good Villa team. After we've added three of you know three or four more players, if we stayed up in the if we stay up in this league, yeah, I think so. I think so. But uh, Samata. The fact that he, I mean, he's he's taking his chances. This is I like good him. news. I like him. And I think we said in the episode 100, this is somebody who made his debut in the semi-final. He's only been here a matter of weeks, but he's he's not one of those players where we have to defend him and say, uh, well, you know, you know, give him a chance to settle in. He's, he's kind of hit the ground running. And uh, that's that's the very minimum that we needed. If I'm right in saying, is he, he's had, actually had the ball in the net four times. He's had obviously two disallowed, but he's, you give him chat. I mean, it's not like he's. Oh, I, I can't remember a game thinking, "Oh God, he's fluffed his lines." Like I remember last last season, we had multiple conversations about Abraham every other week, going, "Oh, he scored this week, but he missed two or three as well." So matter, he gets a chance and he buries it. Pretty much like the new revamped version of Scott Hogan that the Ooh. Blues have got. <laughs> Somebody actually uh, sent in a question, uh, wanted us to talk about uh, Hogan's form. I mean. Uh, I haven't been watching the Blues. We covered Hogan in the uh, Hogan touch count, which uh, you will get at the end of these credits, uh, which featured in episode 100, as we mentioned earlier on. But, I mean, the, the only thing you can say about his form is uh, it's bang on for a, for a striker at the moment. He's pretty much scoring every game. Well, he's, he's playing as part of a, a front two, isn't he? And I think that's one of the big things for him. He, he has a partner in yeah. Jukovic who does all the, the, the real dirty work. He lets him get in the box and and score goals, get on the end of things, and that's what he does. But at Villa, of course, he was he was having to play as a lone striker, and that probably isn't yeah. his game. Max Stokes at Villa on tour actually uh, asked us a question, and he said, uh, what about Samata and Kieran Davis? And, I mean, so just based on just Davis coming on against Manchester City, I mean, obviously... Put himself the, about, didn't he? You're thinking when he comes on, oh, this, this is a good move, and then you're thinking, what's he doing? He's coming on for Samata. Yeah, I Surely, uh, come on, I appreciate you don't want to leave the midfield light against Manchester City, but we're in death of glory mode here. For example, if you've got that, the one thing I wanted was just as 
when you're chasing any game, you just just give us one chance, just one chance in the last five minutes. And we got it, didn't and we? It's almost it's almost if you don't get if you don't get that chance, you just you just feel deflated. But if you get that chance, even if you don't take it, you at least you you feel like you gave it a go, which they did in the last ten minutes. Yeah. So when you when you're looking for that last chance, that's when you need an extra striker on because if you get that last corner if you get that last free kick and you want to get it in the box you need as many strikers on as possible and you saw Davis when he got the ball he, you, City couldn't get it off it, him it sticks doesn't it with him I, I really like him I think that there is potentially a, a little shift that you could make to make the make that front two work you might have to play a little bit narrower but you could still give Target and Gilbert license to get forward and especially when you've got McGinn back you know you've got more legs in the middle of the park because that was the problem. He had the ball. He was running with it. He was taking three or so City players with him. He couldn't get the ball off. But there was nobody to naturally feed to, like instinctively. Yeah. If he was playing as part of a two, he's like, right, I know where Samata is. I'm threading this through to him. But he just had to carry on running with it. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, walking out the ground, that substitution, it kind of summed up Villa's day in a little bit in that I thought we 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 could have had an extra gear i think when we had the ball i, I just thought be a bit brave have a bit of courage be braver with the ball because yeah. I, I i really genuinely thought as much as city can always hurt you when they've got the ball and they always look likely to they're going to against anyone they play against but at the back when you see john stones well yeah fernandinho bravo in goal in terms of defensively phil foden i think phil foden is great with the ball and he had a deservedly got man of the match I thought he was very good but he's a small lad he's a young player you've got to get him facing his own goal and like give him something to think about that he's not used to and kind of bully him a bit I mean Stones obviously slipped up in the game for the goal and I had to put Davis on kept the matter on told Davis just get on Stones' side and just bully through him yeah absolutely I just I just felt we had that bit of we got into some good positions by the way listeners we're not promoting bullying here (laughs) it's it's not good (laughs) only on the field but I just I just thought we and we got into some good positions in possession sort of in and around the box and in the Manchester City third and I think we just we just panicked a little bit and that's where someone like having Horahan in the game in the opposition's third makes a difference having two men in the box can make a difference because there was something to be said for just getting it in there and just competing for it who would you play midfield if you went Samata and KD up front I would with McGinn coming in so remember that it would probably be something like a 4-3 I don't know I want names I want names I think you'd probably have to drop Louise for McGinn I don't think you can drop Marvellous I think he's you know he's he's, I loved his two-footed tackle that was incredible incredible don't understand him being booked for that. That was like old school. Yeah, I. It depends your system. I wouldn't have been surprised if they sent him off. Put it that way, but I. <laughs> thankfully, uh, the referee wasn't a total arsehole. Yeah, um, but yeah. No, who would you go for? You, your next game's against Leicester. You're thinking, right? We're going to put it up. Then we're going to play two up top. Who do you go for in midfield? You'd probably play with a, what, a back. You're going to play a jobs back on the line, Bird. Your jobs yeah. on the line. Hang on. Something like a four, getting, two, three, one. He's getting his whiteboard out. I am on, I am on the whiteboard. Um, <laughs> I'd play Davis as I'd play Davis down the middle on his own, and I'd play like Jack and Samata kind of off him. So you'd probably jettison Louise for McGinn, and I would probably let Trezeguet and Algarzi loose off the bench as your plan B, and I'd bring Davis in for Algarzi. But who's Davis coming for? Algarzi. So what that potentially does is it makes you narrower. Which is so it's like a four-three-three. It's a four-four. It's like a four-two-three-two-one. Four-two-three-one. To explain the three behind Davis. So you're obviously going to have 
Probably for me, Rayner in goal if we're going to do the whole team. Target Mings, Engels, Gilbert. I would play Marvellous. McGinn coming from slightly deeper, potentially. Or you could play like Connor in that role. McGinn, Grealish, and then maybe Keenan Davis slightly off, a, off the striker. But essentially, you can have like a fluid sort of front three or four who can all move around a bit. Yeah, it sounds like a shambles defensively. We've got to be brave, though. It's like you can't... I don't know if you yeah, can but play you, two but, but We're talking getting hammered. It doesn't... I mean, what have you got? Nakamba back, and then what have you got protecting the, the two fullbacks, as we mentioned Probably earlier on? Probably Horahan or McGinn. Well, McGinn that's... Can you fact, then you're relegated. But you can't play a back <laughs> seven or eight, can you, either? It's like you can't put everyone behind the ball. At some point, you have to be expansive. It depends if we're going to go to... If we're trying to win games, or are we trying to nick games... But we're talking about who does Davis replace, who does McGinn replace, and you're also putting Horahan there in the mix as a starter. If we're just pulling two out, as I said, if I'm pulling two out, I'd pull Louise out for McGinn and I'd play Davis over El Ghazi. Right. Personally. Yeah, it's, trick- it's tricky. There's not, nothing it's, going it's, it's down kind the sides, of, it's, really, it's, it's how do you shoehorn people in, and I think that's why Horahan hasn't been playing. Yeah. Because on paper, the team that played at Wembley has a reasonable balance to it, but it was still ineffective because it just didn't have any of the ball. I think Louise for McGinn is a is a, a very kind of a much easier change to make. I think if you're going to play two up front, then I think you change the complete completely change the dynamic of the team, and you probably have to play three at the back then because you probably have to go like yeah. three, you probably you would have to go three five two. I was gonna I was gonna say that because uh, you need width really if you're going to yeah. play two Villa up front do especially, kind of, and if you're going to play yeah. people like Davis and um and Samata they need service out wide even if that's just by having the two wingbacks bomb on I think that's what Smith has to try and encourage but it's it's tough especially against Man City because you know if if target goes if that ball's past him he ain't going to get it back is he well yeah and it's definitely a, a conundrum but uh you know the positives of Wembley as I mentioned was Samata being a, a finisher and yeah yeah Davis does have a role but it's like uh, where and how yeah Absolutely. I think he's a real weapon if he's used in the right way, but it's just how do you, if you play him, do you play him as the striker, the man who leads the line, or do you have to play him Well, off I was just striker? about to say, he hasn't established himself as a finisher, so no. that is the problem. We need goals, but at the moment, the one thing he hasn't shown is you could play him as a lone striker, but are you getting goals? There's no guarantee nope. at the moment. So, matter, you've got a proper striker there who scores, but... Davis potentially can make things happen if he gets the ball in the box, but it's not like Benteke who could make something happen for himself. It's more like, uh, and but it also had a good awareness of what was around him. Mm-hmm. Davis is more like he needs, you know, he needs support because he will create something, but he needs somebody to be there to create for. Yeah, in a nutshell. And I think I, I, I would be reluctant to switch the back four around. I, I think that's the right way to go. Yeah. Unless you're in, you know, you're changing things in game, and that is that is a good option to have if you're going to play a four. But if you, that's what I was hoping they would do at Wembley with ten minutes to go. Get Davis on, go three at the back. Let I'd put, I'd have pulled off target because Mings can play in that left back position pretty well anyway, and be and just be brave. And I don't think many Villa fans would have moaned at losing 3-1 if they were going for it. No, never do I. Same result at the end of the day. Absolutely. That's cup football, isn't uh, it? On Instagram, Clever Cream says, Douglas Louise, lack of stamina regularly struggles to get back when the opposition counter. Yeah, it's just legs in general. Yeah, I think he's more of a jogger, isn't he? He's casual. I think that's more Brazilian temperament. It's the, it's the of style of... It's he this, yeah, it's, he wants to be a much slower game. He wants to play... I mean, if you put him into Manchester City where he's, he'd have all the time in the world and can sit deep yeah. and pop, pop passes around and then bomb on whenever he wants to, that would suit him. But the, the, the kind of team Villa are and where we are in the league, 
that doesn't suit his style of play. He'd probably flourish at Wolves, for example. Yeah, or for old, you know, older listeners, uh, he's more of a Glenn Hoddle type guy. He wants yeah. the ball to his feet, and he yeah. wants to dictate with the ball. He doesn't want to be running back and chasing the round. Yeah, and uh, this is the thing. Uh, you know, I don't think we have the personnel across the board to to carry passengers like decent footballers to I don't, like I don't play think so. play teams off the park. We need, you know, Sheffield United get do what they do blue collar they graft and that's how you beat better teams the teams that we have to play established teams established top six teams your united your wolves now your liverpools your chelsea's we've got to beat them with effort as well yeah and i think it's the the big thing we've been saying all season and so many people have mentioned it is the lack of pace like real pace not a little bit of pace you know jack can carry the ball we've got a few people who can run with it but in terms of that player who's going to scare teams that will make them back off yeah. We, we don't have that. We haven't had it for a while, really. Yeah, we haven't got the players, apart from Grealish, that they actually think about when they got the whiteboard out pre-match. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah. Uh, quick question as well. Uh, Lob Who off Instagram. He says, uh, will Villa be lucky or do they have the talent to get out of the shit uh, that we are in? I mean, based on that Wembley performance, uh, do you think the talent is there? Well, bits and pieces of it and from early from, there's been there's been you know bits through the season that suggest that they can mix it with these teams and they can play good football you're going to need a little bit of luck because you're going to be playing against good teams that as yet we haven't beaten so in terms of are we going to have to probably have games like Man City where we don't have much of the ball and then nick a win yeah at some point but you however you do it be it luck be it quality if Villa get out of the position they're in and stay up Ultimately, they will have deserved to. Yeah, I think in terms of do we have the talent, I think if you're looking at Hawes and Konza with their slack marking, I think, in, no, we haven't got the talent to go up because while you know while we've sang their praises in some departments... Oh, they won't be featuring. They were better against lesser players, put it that way. Yeah. I mean, the, the fact that House has disappeared after his marking job at Southampton is no surprise. I think he might be lucky to get himself a spot on the bench in the running, but I have a feeling that he quite likes Konza. He'll probably get a spot in the squad, but I think Hawes might have played himself out of contention until May, to be 
brutally honest. Yeah. Aside from like injuries, if they can get a bit, the, the big thing for luck now really is can we get our strongest team on the field? Yeah. Well, I mean, we've got it uh, once McGinn comes back in terms of the players that can actually get back because obviously Heaton. I think McGinn's huge. Wesley have gone. I don't look at teams in the that in and around us who've got a player like McGinn to come back. You know, Watford lost Delafeu, didn't they? Well, the teams around us are above us. That's the problem. And we have real tough fixtures. So McGinn being better than what they've got is kind of immaterial. He's got to be able to produce against the teams that are in the top six that we've got to play. And one of the problems was when he was playing a little deeper before he got injured, a lot of people were saying he was off the boil because obviously he wasn't grabbing the headlines. And he wasn't being as effective. So there's a big dilemma for Smith is if it's shit and bust, which it pretty much is, where do you play McGinn to get the maximum effect out of him? Probably smack bang in the middle and make him be a box-to-box player. Because, for example, Grealish uh, didn't have the greatest game and people were saying, oh, he's not a number eight. He's number Well, you ask Grealish what number he is and he'll say he's a number eight. He wants to be everywhere. But the thing is, when you want Grealish as a number 10 or playing, you know, playing slightly forward then suddenly McGinn by default has to uh, be a bit more withdrawn and that's yeah. that's a bit of an issue but you know if 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 marvelous is playing well then it allows people like him to to go but you need has marvelous got the engine to be sort of here there and everywhere I I don't know yeah let's finish on this question mr linternet asks answer honestly he says if you had to put your house on it do you think we're staying up I would, I'd put the garage on it. <laughs> <laughs> no, he says you, you got to put your house on it. You actually live in a garage, don't you, bud? <laughs> I would say yes, just. Uh, I would, I, at the moment, I would say no, because I don't want to live out on the streets. I don't want to be homeless. Come that on, was Dave, why, come on, be, that's why I would on, say live a no. little. <laughs> <laughs> just what I'm that's what I'm basing this decision on wanting to live a little bit longer <laughs> but that's you know that's uh if I'm putting my house on it which is a different situation to do I think we will hmm. I think we'll know after the Leicester and Chelsea game what's happening I'm also really interested to see when the now you know, obviously rearranged Sheffield and Newcastle games will fall. Yeah, but they'll be after the Chelsea and Leicester games. So I'm, I mean, I'm, what I'm saying is, if we don't get anything from them, I mean, even one draw from the two games, you know, that would be something. But if we get beaten both of those games, oh, and yeah, other yeah. teams pick up games, then suddenly you're looking at a team that's lost touch. You're looking at a team that's confidence is shot through. You're looking at a team that suddenly doesn't believe they're going to stay up. And I don't see this team like your Watfords, like your Bournemouth, who are even, you know, they even them, they're Bournemouth are twitching and I thought and they Brighton would be down as well, straight away. Brighton are, these are the teams that have got a bit more muscle about them and a bit more fight and a bit more, let's say they're, they're built as survival also a teams. Bit of experience in that position. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. They're built as survival teams. Yeah. That is their role in the Premier League is to survive. So they're like sandbag teams, if you want a term that I've just made up. You build your sandbags to make sure that the catastrophe of relegation doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Well, we've come up, we've rebuilt ourselves, but we've still got delusions of grandeur. Yeah, we're trying. We're trying to be. We're trying to be expansive and play like a top six side. Yeah, so our raison d'être is not survival, and that potentially we could get caught up in. We're already caught up in it. Well, so we said all season it, we, it could be the naivety that kills us, and that's why I have doubts because I think you've got Perslow strutting around thinking. I don't think he thought we would be. Uh, I think I don't think he thought we'd be probably top top half. 
which is kind of what I asked him at the AGM. You know, essentially said, "Are we where we thought we wanted to be?" You know, surely you can't said, "Yeah, we 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 were we were hoping we'd be seventeenth. We were planning on being that." It's like because I remember he said, "Didn't he?" The day after the playoff final, no, we have no interest in being anywhere near a relegation fight. Yeah, so this is what I'm saying. Uh, they kind of thought. We've been smart here, and I think he has... Uh, I mean, old Suso will be uh, under the microscope uh, at the end of the season. That would be number one. Hugely. They're kind of like thick as thieves, so we shall see. But yeah, I, I, as, I, as I say, I don't think we're built as a survival team, so we've got problems. So if we don't get something from Chelsea and Leicester, which is basically that would it would be a positive knock-on from our, our performance against Manchester City. Mm-hmm. But in the cold light of day, if we don't get anything from those two games, then I'm you know, I'm getting the scythe out and the Grim Reaper costumes coming up. Coming up. planning the gallows humour. Well, no, it's nothing to be... You know, it's it not won't f- be funny this time, will it? It's not like the year we went down when it was a laughing stock. This will be a, a painful one. Yeah, because that's like a culmination of, of like five several years seasons of, nonsense, of decay. Yeah, this is uh, this is built on hope and the bright future that finally seem to be appearing. Suddenly, like uh, a West Brom, you're a you're a yo-yo club. Yeah, but let's not get into the dark permutations of it. But uh, most people can guess them straight off the bat. Anyway, that's the uh, that was the last question. Always finish on a high. <laughs> But yeah, we'll we will uh, see what happens, and that's going to be obviously the uh, interest in the next few podcasts is how this uh, develops. But as I said, that's, I just hope we get something from the next couple of games to keep us in this and keep us game because just the strength of the opposition we have to play. Then you know, after those two games, you got Wolves, Liverpool, United, and we could be uh, out of this before it even gets to the final furlong. Yeah. A, f- a final question then. How many points do you think? How many points do we need? Well, this, this I don't. I'm not interested in. Oh, we need this from this amount of games. I'm just interested in the next game, and that's Leicester. And you know, I've got to practice what I preach. Mm. Well, I'm off to bed then. <laughs> right. See you later, mate. Bye. Ta-ra. And before we go, don't forget. Uh, after the end credits is the latest Scott Hogan touch count, which played out. Uh, I think it was between Dan and Chris, which played out in episode number 100. If you haven't listened featuring to featuring Gary Gardner, yeah, featuring some uh, Gary Gardner stats as well to astound. Please do, uh, if you haven't already, subscribe and follow on whatever you listen to this podcast on, be it Spotify, Apple, or any of the other apps. And also, please do if you want extra podcast shows there's a couple uh, at least going out uh, in the next few days do sign up to be a patron at myoldmansaid.com and click on the patron option also on the shop option you will uh, have access to all the latest codes uh, for discounts on villa kits and everything that i keep updated and also uh, where you can get my old man said t-shirts and also mugs thank you very much for listening as always and until next time it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from him goodbye
I think it's time we have a hundredth uh, century episode instalment of the Scott Hogan Touchcount Meter. So you were stripped of your title. The governing body had to strip Dan Rogers of his title. I just requested he- to be stripped. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was uh, the linear. He is the linear. He's the man who beat the man who beat the man, as Tyson Fury likes to say. <laughs> well, recently, uh, Max Stokes beat Chris Budd. So Max Stokes is the, kind of technically the champion. But uh, anyway, we, who gives a shit? <laughs> the context is a lot has happened in the in the universe of Scott Hogan. He has gone to the Blues. Mm-hmm. We've discussed this uh, in, in a previous show. Mm-hmm. And he's suddenly turned into, uh, he's up there with Aguero, probably. He's the championship's Aguero all of a sudden. <laughs> Banging it. Five, four goals in five games. I mean, the, the man's on fire. He scored on his debut. Yeah. Hmm. You, you can't stop him. So uh, we're, we're gonna, we can focus back on Scott Hogan. I, I'm sorry, if you haven't listened to the show, when we've had a Scott Hogan touch count meter, the quickly the rules, what, what there is of them. There are, it's the first, it's the best of three. First to win two rounds. Each round, uh, the two competitors have uh, two rounds each to uh, guess how many touches uh, either Scott Hogan or whatever other player we are talking about had. They will get the uh, the time that they played and you know the context of the game. Uh, if uh, after two uh, guesses they don't get it, then there's a third round which uh, there may be a clue there to help them out if both competitors are way off the mark but anyway first to two dan rogers has pulled off some miracle uh, wins when he's been mm. uh, down but then pulled it back out of nowhere just ask ben redding about that wherever he is Sob- wherever sobbing he is. <laughs> still crying about <laughs> Uh, right, let's get into uh, the first round of the first game. Just a bit of context, Scott Hogan. Obviously, uh, he was uh, a bit part sub at Stoke until the Blues uh, swept in. I think he actually got subbed off uh, the only game he did start at Millwall at half time in the wilderness until mid December onwards. And then Blues thought, this is exactly what we need to fire up our season. <laughs> so uh, off he went to the Blues, and he now plays in a 4 4 2 with uh, Lukas Jukovic. And uh, it's it's doing pretty well. Well, they've, they've had some pretty good results since uh, Hogan's been in the team. Let's 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 go uh, more recent backwards. Uh, played Sheffield Wednesday, drew three three against uh, a team where Barry Bannon scored uh, against them. He was very happy to score against the Blues. I think did he say something on t- social media? Or was it in an in, in interview? Didn't he say he can basically retire now? Yeah. Hmm. Strange chap. The claret and blue blood still courses through his veins. Apparently, he's Scottish. Anyway. Who's going first? Dan's back. I'll let him uh, put his marker down. Right, so he played the full game. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Goal and an assist. Oh Two word. shots on target. That's all I'm saying. And obviously his goal was... So he had uh, four touches then. <laughs> a volley in the in, in injury time. Hmm. To, 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 great to, uh, goal, to be fair. Make it 3-3. Three, three. Yeah, it is actually. It's like, it's just exactly what we need. <laughs> How many touches? 12. 12. From the Rogers, Chris Bird. 20. Second round. 14. 14 from the Rogers, Chris Bird, surfing the internet quickly. Yeah. Can't find it. Swiping away. (laughs) I'm saying uh, play the full 90. I'm going to be generous. I'm going to say 22. 22. Nobody's got it yet. We're going to a third and final round. The only clue I'll give you is it's less than 50. Right. <laughs> Thanks for your generosity. Uh, okay. Okay. 
So I reckon I'm on the low side. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw in, I'm gonna throw in some statistic for you. It's, it's. I don't know if this helps you or not. His pass completion was ninety one point seven. One pass, then he just had loads of shots. Uh, ninety one point seven. Twenty eight. Twenty eight. Twenty eight. Final go from the Rogers. Now we're going to Mister Bud. Thirty. Ooh. Trying to fence it in. First round goes to Mr. Bud. Come on, back in the game. 24 touches. What on earth is he doing, this Scott Hogan guy? This is like he's at least doubling. This this is ruining the game. This is he doing doing kick-ups before the game or something. (laughs) I feel concerned that the boundaries of the... This is a... Just just another statistic that I I picked up. It's kind of a hollow victory, to be honest. While I was compiling these stats, I also picked up that Gary Gardner... Had uh, and I think it's a shame that I'm doing it in reverse, but we're going to see how Gary Gardner has actually got better because, uh, but he's still bad. Uh, four, <laughs> 47 touches from Gary Gardner playing center mid, 72.7 percent completion, pass completion, which isn't great, put it yeah. that way. But yeah, we'll Blues see. don't play passing football, do they? I'll, uh, I'll give you an update on his uh, completion rates as we go into the next game. So previously, they played Brentford. Mm-hmm. 1-1 draw. Now, there's a little bit of information I want to slide in here on the sly. Uh-huh. Dean Smith, a bit of criticism of Dean Smith float- floating around, obviously uh, because of our precarious situation. Bit of a statistic for you. Yeah. Brentford, before Dean Smith came along, finished fifth, got in the playoffs. Dean Smith comes along eighth, ninth, twelfth, whatever, tenth, whatever. Brentford now, back in fifth, in the playoff spots. Should we Ouch. read anything into this? Should we read anything into this? Just putting it out there. Make of it what you uh, will. Uh, anyway, Scott Hogan, Chris go first, 1-0 up. Played 74 minutes before being uh, pulled off. How many touches in 74 minutes? It's getting plenty uh, of game time. 19. 19 from the bird. 70 minutes. Uh, I'm going to go 16. 16 from Mr. Rogers. Who's he playing s- again? Brentford. Away or home? Uh, at home. Oh, okay. Uh, what did I say first? 19. Uh, 21. I'll be generous. I think this is the only game he hasn't scored in. Sorry, what was that? 21. 21. 21. Uh, what did I say first go? 16. I'm going to go 19. You can't have that. Mr. Bud already has 18. That. 18 from the Rogers. We go into a uh, final round. Uh, as I said, he didn't score in the game. I'm going to say, is it, again, another useless clue. It was lower than 30. 22. 22 from the Bud. I think I'm being really generous here. Can Dan Rogers put this one away? 27. Oof, 27. Obviously, read into my uh, clue a bit too much, maybe. But doesn't matter, because he still won. Oh, it was 17. Oh, either side, oh, that was 16 a close one for and 18. Once. He was peppering the target. We were, man. Oh, yeah. That's more like the Scott Hogan we've come to know and love. Yeah. One all, we go into the decider. On that little sidetrack, Gary Gardner, Ooh. 57 touches, 60% completion oh. rate. Oh, that is terrible. That's like stinking the place out. <laughs> oh. so just to give listeners a bit of context, normally Villa players are around, even if they're having a shocker, you're around low 80s, aren't you? Even Isaiah Osborne sat somewhere there going, <laughs> fucking hell. And it's also proof you can't play football with hooves. And it's, and it's truth. If your game's not going very well, don't get your brother Craig to coach you. Oh, crikey. 
player coach bunch, Craig Gardner. There's three games. Shall I bunch these together? Do or, it. Yeah, it'd be uh, fun. Do it. So here, here's what we've got. We have got full 90 minutes against Barnsley. Mm-hmm. He had three shots, two on target, and a goal. Now, in that game against Barnsley, Gary Gardner, I'll get this out of the way now, 49 touches, <laughs> pass completion 48.6%. Wow. <laughs> Incredible. Do you think there were people at Villa who were... Who were, who were... He's the next Steven Gerrard. <laughs> Fuck, he's absolute yeah. muck. <laughs> we'll look forward to playing against him next year then. Jesus. Absolutely. How can you have 48.6% pass completion and you're like meant to be their main man midfielder or one of them? And one in less than one in two passes, he found a blue shirt. <laughs> uh... Right. So uh, Hogan played the whole game against Barnsley, three shots, two on target and a goal. Against Bristol City, two shots on target and a goal. And that was uh, another 90 minutes, I think. And against uh, Nottingham Forest, uh, where they won... I think it was 2-1, also scored in that. Uh, 83 minutes. I can I can hear tapping a keyboard, Stan Rogers. Do you know what? It's, not, it's me. It's it's my big pen. I'm actually writing it All down. Right. I'm taking this serious <laughs> on my return. It's... 83 minutes. So he's pretty much, I think he's played every game, every Ooh, minute, apart from seven minutes. Mm. So it's, uh, mm. you know, 180 plus uh, 80, mm. so 263 minutes of football <laughs> from uh, Mr. Scott Hogan. How many touches Dan Rogers going first in three games? The cumulative total, I think. I think. Three games. And he scored three goals. I'm going to go with 60. 60 from Mr. Dan Rogers. Chris Bird, brain just going into overdrive now. 78. 78. Mm. Chris sees the new revamped Hogan. Mm. 70. Oh, it scares Rogers into going higher. I have no fear. Chris should be fearful. <laughs> I'm not the villa here, Dan. I've got nothing to lose. Mm, I know it's not my lose. crown. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you going for, Chris? What did I say? 78. 78. Uh, 69. 69. Motherfucker. Um... Right, we're going into a third round. Hmm. It's uh, it's higher than 40, lower than 80. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> well, okay. that's Gary Gardner's completion. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. 65. 65 from Dan Rogers. Better check my maths, actually. <laughs> You've had 78 and 69, Chris. Mm-hmm. And my final guess is 60. I've had you 60. can't have that. I had 60. Oh, uh, that was Dan's opening. 61. Oh, Chris, but if only you went the other way, because it's 59, Dan <laughs> Rogers wins. <laughs> oh, do you know, you know, Chris, He's Chris, back with close a your bang. eyes. Close your eyes, Chris. <laughs> You know, you know, towards the end of the Fury fight where he licks the blood off Wilder. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine. So close. I mean, that, what, is, what is another metaphor for that? You've been I mean, rogered. You've been rogered. <laughs> no, when you've been rogered. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.